and we are live. We are live. We are live. We are doing this. This is our first pod together. I, yep. I hope people have heard one or two of the pod so far with my other host, Greg. But I'd like to introduce you to a member of the family, pod, pod people. This is Trent. Dan, thanks for that great intro. The way you said that made it sound like you have two hosts named Greg, but I'm actually named Trent. Oh, you're right. The uh, other is Greg. Other host. You said my other host Tama, named Greg. Named Greg. Hey, you've got an audio problem. I think you might be too far right. away from. Too far away? How's this? Oh, better? way better. Okay. Way better. So I am not Greg number two. I'm Trent number one. And yet in time, I am host number two as far as recordings go. But I like to think I've been here since the beginning of Oh, of, you were there at formation. This, well, this project. We're gonna, and on that topic, I think we ought to spend a few minutes, about, you know, sort of mulling the uh, inception, the birth, the genesis, the evolution of, of this project. Because I think it puts maybe the whole thing in, in sharper relief. Why, why the heck we're doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I've I've spent some time explaining that already. I don't know if you wanted to to give your side of it. Yeah, of course. Well, so <clears throat> about four years ago, maybe three years ago, uh, we were Dan and I were standing in my kitchen, uh, which is where I think a lot of these these conversations might happen. And part of why we wanted to do this is to take the conversations out of the kitchen. I, I would say honestly, not not to toot our own horns, but some actual brilliance has gone down late at night in your kitchen. I, I couldn't agree more. If we only had some photos of the whiteboards that we could have solving many of the world's biggest problems. But <laughs> on this particular instance to which I'm referring, we talked at length about your, at that point, newfound uh, interest and curiosity around uh, Bitcoin. And I, at the time, knew very little, next to nothing. All I knew is probably what many of our listeners know, which is it's this thing that gets lumped together with a whole lot of other types of cryptocurrencies and people who are older than like 35 ought not to explore it because it's too risky and whatever, whatever. And yeah, it, it's good for like blackmail and, you know, it's good for blackmail. It's and... good for buying, you know, drugs on the, on the deep web and, and good for like hostage negotiations and things <laughs> like that. So, you know, not exactly what I was looking for, for my everyday uh, store of value. But over the course of that very long conversation in which we were, by the way, standing up at the counter. So it makes sense. That we're both standing at our That's respective right. workplaces. Um, the uh, the idea began to take hold or the interest uh, in, on my end began to take hold that this is actually something really quite different than what I'd, what I'd thought. And so I took from that conversation just more of a curiosity about the topic of Bitcoin, just at, almost like from an intellectual standpoint, like, what is this thing? I'm super curious about all sorts of stuff. And and actually, one thing, Dan, you know about me is when I get into something, I get like really into something. Um, you know, it's like Jerry said, Jerry Garcia said about the dead, like the dead's like licorice. Not everybody likes licorice, but those who like licorice really like licorice. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, I, I, you are a licorice liker. I am. <laughs> and, and so I think, you know, I started to get really interested in 
just the idea of it. And you, you have since loaned me this terrific book, the Bitcoin standard, which I'm working my way through that really sparked the curiosity. I, I ended up buying a bit of Bitcoin myself and, um, have continued enjoying our conversations, not just about Bitcoin, but like more importantly, and I think this is the key for me, why I want to do this, because frankly, the idea of like committing myself to a very technical, dry, deep dive into some thing called Bitcoin is less interesting than what it's a launching pad for, which for me is like all the great things we always talk about when we're together. And, um, and Bitcoin is sort of the hub of that wheel and the spokes are what's to me maybe even more interesting. Um, or, yes. or, or the connections between the spokes and the hub is what's the most interesting. And I think once you start to dig into this topic, you, you will be amazed as I have been at where the spokes go and what they connect to. So that's my, that's my uh, yeah. two minute thesis statement. I, I love it. We're going to get right into it. We decided that a great way to start would be a 10 part series. Mm -hmm. Aptly named the 10 things you need to know about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is so, so multifaceted. There's so many aspects. It's technically takes time to get your arms around. Right. But none of it is really that complicated. Mm -hmm. It just takes time. Right. And, and you know, one of the things that was key for me early on, and we're going to get to this much later, like many episodes down the road, but I'm going to say it now, almost like spilling the punchline early, is one of my initial hangups was like, I didn't know how it worked. Yep. Um, and, and you kept saying like, well, you don't know how the internet works. You just know that it does work. And that was super important for me. That was like a, a, a ratchet moment where I was like, oh, yeah, it's, you, you sort of understand that it does work. And maybe if you're super technically inclined, you can, you can really dig into that piece. But this is less about that um, because all you need to know is that it does work. And so this is more the, the digestible, as you said, the digestible bits, the things that are, are sort of the big picture um, uh, tipping points along the journey, the, the, the forks in the road, the moments where it's like, oh, I now understand this. And now I can't, I can't not know this now. And, and, and so like, that's what we're leading you through in the next 10 episodes is the things you can't unhear or unsee once you've seen them. And then it becomes by the end of the path, pretty hard to make a case against why this is a good thing. Yes. Um, so, as, as Greg and I, discussed in a recent pod, nobody who spends any time on Bitcoin ends up becoming less interested or less bullish. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's almost like a one-way ratchet. Almost. <laughs> 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 but you're totally right. And I don't remember ex exactly the order of our, you know, when we first started talking about it, but I guarantee you, I didn't start with explaining how nodes and what a distributed ledger technology and how a public-private key encryption works, yep. right? I mean, yep. these are all technical aspects of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and they are fascinating, and I think people should take the time to learn them, but you don't have to start there. Right. You shouldn't start there. Right. You'll get lost, and it's right. too important right. to get lost in, in that level of understanding to start. That's right. And on the topic of understanding to start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a question, and I listened to... 102.1, which is 
the the Bay Area's old school hip hop channel. And, and, <laughs> Love it. Which, by the way, if it's not on your on your you know pre programmed dial, it should be. Uh, it's on mine. I listen to it every day. Driving in, hearing um, Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, Mo Money, Mo Problems, mm-hmm. and so I think that's a good place <laughs> to start. Dan, tell me about why the the abundance and and ability of of central government to flip a switch and print more fiat currency mo money is in fact a problem uh and and how bitcoin plays a role in that problem first of all despite this being your first podcast that is some (laughs) advanced level segue right there that was a (laughs) i did not see Old school hip hop. I'm and trying Fred to keep policy. you on your toes. Keep I, it fresh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I could see, just makes me so bullish for this pot. <laughs> if this is if this is the, the the magic that is coming in episode one. Okay. Well, dude, it was uh, it was Robert Frost who said, "No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader." So we got to keep right. each other on our toes. Oh, that's right. And also, I think it should become clear to people. These are not rehearsed scripts that we're, we're Dude, coming I from. Dude, I think here. that was pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> Good disclaimer. Yeah, I hate, hate to, uh, yeah, spoiler alert. I'm sorry to you know, burst any bubbles out there, but you can't okay. fake this. You can't fake this. You couldn't fake this. No. So, to your question, money printing. Yeah. This is step one mm-hmm. of understanding Bitcoin. Right. Step one about understanding Bitcoin does not contain the word Bitcoin. Bitcoin has nothing to do with steps one or two, actually, just to right. preview next one. Right. But step one is about just recognizing the central reality mm-hmm. that the government, governments around the world mm-hmm. have access to a money printer. Mm-hmm. So let's just break that down for a second, because I, yep. I don't want to go over these concepts too fast, because... Right. You can say that, and people might hear it, and they don't—they don't really. I'd, I'd like people to spend a little time thinking about it. Right. Just think about that for a second. Think about actually a human being with a money printer. Hmm. I mean, what if you had a money printer? Right. Let's just do this thought experiment for a yeah. second. What if you had an individual, one household, mm-hmm. had a money printer in the garage mm-hmm. that could make perfectly. Uh, fake, you know, they're not real. They're not from the U.S. Mint. Right. But they're so good, they're not detectable. Right. Right. So you you wouldn't have really any fear of being caught. Right. But you would know that morally you shouldn't do this. Right. Yet you still have it. Right. Would you use it? Well, yeah, of course. Well, well, of course. Who wouldn't? Now, I take that back. I think there are some people who would be reluctant to use it. Who wouldn't use it initially? A lot of people would use it. I mean, literally, <laughs> control P, control <laughs> P, control P. Lots of people. And by the way, I'm speaking for the general. I'm not saying I would. I, of course, never would because I'm a morally upstanding uh, person. But... Oh, wow. You just outed yourself. You were so quick <laughs> to jump on that. I thought I thought you were going to be a little tougher not to crack on this one. I put it this way. I, I, I'd use it, but I wouldn't tell anyone. How about that? Is it wrong well, if nobody would, knows? You would use it for charitable causes only. Only my philanthropic giving. And is it wrong <laughs> if nobody knows? I mean, that's a, that's a big question. Well, you, you and Sam Bankman-Fried, it's very similar. <laughs> okay. But, but just, for, just for, to tease this out for a second, the, 
let's assume any human with a money printer, the vast majority of people would, would mm-hmm. use it right away. Some mm-hmm. people wouldn't, but even the ones who wouldn't initially, well, fine. What happens down the road if there's an emergency? Mm-hmm. You can't make the monthly rent. Right. What happens if, God forbid, something, there's a health emergency in your family? Yeah. You're telling me you're not going to use the money printer then? Right. To get medicine for your kid who needs it? Right. Those are actual household examples that I think any person can understand. Right. Well, politicians are just people. Right. They are just people who have the same incentive structure as any person would on an individual base. The other part of that, the difference, though, is that in, in that little example that I just gave, that's in a world where it's actually illegal to do it. But mm-hmm. yet you knew you wouldn't be caught. So mm-hmm. you would do it. If for government, it's entirely legal. It's incentivized. In fact, not only is it legal, they, right, you said, they have every incentive to print money to make people happy. Right. To get votes, to be reelected, to stay right. close, to, to, to remain close proximity to the money printer. Right. Right. So it's easier to see, I mean, we're in the U.S., which is the best, worst form of government, I think, that mm-hmm. money can buy. Yep. But look, it's still, we have it so dramatically better than billions of people around the world. So I don't right. want to make light of that. Right. Right. It, our system is severely flawed, mm-hmm. but it's the best, worst system that I'm aware of. Right. So even in the U.S., you can see the obvious incentives for people to buy, essentially buy votes. Right. Right. And it's not a left or right issue. In fact, right. it's very much it's a bipartisan issue. Both parties always do it. So right. whether it's, say, entitlement spending for this or gov- you know, military spending for that or whatever it is. Right. It's just still more spending. Right. OK. So I want to just put up a quick graphic. This is the money supply. Uh, of the well, United so States. Be, as you're transitioning to yeah, that, yeah. So I'll Go just say it. as like a, a summative point from that opening bit is that the the incentive in every government is to keep printing more and more money to pay for things that for, by by and large are, are good things, are good programs, are things that, you know, they're not evil programs, generally speaking. They're things that whether that's social social safety nets or funding military or whatever it is, like they're not evil actors, but the incentive is to continue to print. Why? Because it it's all it's a short term solution to a problem. Um, it 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 ingratiates them to the people that keep them in power. Um, and and why not? Because you have the control P at your at your fingertips and you can continue to go. So like just wanted to put a bow on that part. So yeah, that's a great money point. is incentivized. No, no, that's a great point because it's it's very it's you don't want to fall down the trap of always pointing at government as being malicious, evil, corrupt. Right. I mean not in every case right. at least. But but no, because then that really in a way it cheapens your argument because right. that's not really that's not the case in, in a all the time. It's human you know, nature. I, I, it's human nature. And in fact, maybe in, in a perverse way, some of the worst offenders, I, th- I think, are coming from it from their own good intentions. Yeah. I, sh- I would like to think that. Of course, yeah. I, I hate to sound naive. Of, you know, of course, they're all sociopaths who want to stay in power and enrich right. themselves. I mean, that, uh, left, right, they all do. 
I mean, just look at the net worths that they amass over years and years of this public service right. that they do. Right. That, that, but that doesn't mean that they don't look at a program and say that this is actually good for people and we should just do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. regardless of cost. Right. All roads lead back to the money printer. Yeah. So then now why – so the next piece is, well, why does that well, matter? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, but I want it just to show because for for the few people that may actually end up seeing this on video version, of course, I'll post this in the show notes. Okay, look. This is from the government's own website, and it's a little – I have to say, it's, it's a little – let me do a little something to make it a little bit more. What is uh, Fred? It's the Federal Reserve's own – database of yeah so i just i compressed it a little bit which just makes the slope (laughs) a lot more pronounced this is m2 money supply i'm not going to go into the the details of how you define various forms of money supply this is from our own federal reserve okay Okay. so we you know let's just like let's just let's assume that this is the numbers that they are giving to the world Mm mm-hmm and this is just the amount of base money in the United States. This mm-hmm. is this is the U.S. It would look very similar if we did a global one. Mm-hmm. Look at that line slope going up. And by the way, going up at an accelerating right. rate. Exponential growth. Exponential growth. You can't even see, you know, it's so small, 1960, which, okay, of course, it's 62 years ago or whatever, 63 years ago. But I can't even read what that amount would be. I mean, that's probably it's less than a trillion, certainly. Yeah. Yep. It's you know, so let's just say at one point it got to a trillion, probably in the sixties. And then from nineteen seventy, you really see a dramatic change after nineteen seventy one. Get to that in a second. Put a put a pin in the date or the yep. year nineteen seventy one. Yep. It is accelerating mm-hmm. at you know, it's it's more than twenty X. The right. amount of money, U.S. government broad money in circulation, mm-hmm. you know, printed currency, but also through credit extended to banks, mm-hmm. that it is 20x since 1971. Okay. Now, you can see at the end, really, the dramatic rise. So if you look at the last few years, there was a spike in, after March of 2020. Yeah. That's a huge COVID problem. Spike, yep. The COVID, the the response to COVID has really thrown even, you know, it was already even if, if we did this chart in, you know, right before COVID, it would also, you know, it would look dramatic. But it's yeah, just it was still, it was so, still pretty so exponential before that. <laughs> right. But did you know? I mean, here's a stat I don't think many people know. Of all the dollars that have existed since George Washington was elected <laughs> as our first president. So he's since also, the beginning, he's also on the dollar. <laughs> as luck right? would have it, he's also on the dollar. So he he should know. You are, I mean, this <laughs> is important. Yeah. It's literally, yeah. <laughs> okay. Since the beginning of the country through COVID, mm-hmm. and then the, and then in the three years after COVID, the government printed forty percent more. Of all of the dollars that have ever existed throughout the history of the country. Unbelievable. They just, I mean, that's where you see that spike, right? Where it goes up from, you know, 16-ish to like 23 or whatever. Mm. And it's come down a little since then. They're, you know, going to point that out. But 
you can see at the very end, if you really zoom in, it's, it's now already reversed that, and now it's trending back up again. Right. Because directionally over time, you can only have periods where they don't print money or where they reduce the money supply. You can have short-term periods where that mm -hmm. does happen. If there's some budget tightening, some belt tightening, yeah. some financial responsibility. But then again, it gets back to the incentives. Right. That's unpopular because something's being unfunded at that point. Mm -hmm. Or there's things that you would like to do, but you just can't because right. you're trying to be more financially responsible. Right. So that can happen for a short term, but then election cycles come. Right. And you, and your opponent will beat you over the head with whatever financial you know, responsibility. It, it's interesting because I wonder if there's a correlation too between the fact that we are now in a in in very much a twenty four seven news cycle and a twenty four seven campaign cycle. To be honest, like whether you're you know actively campaigning or quietly campaigning, we are always inundated with the political landscape in a twenty four seven cycle. And so I think you know the the, the there's a sense too lately in the last 30 25 30 years where like you're if you're if you're a politician you're you're sort of always campaigning and so therefore there is no time to regroup and 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 think about fiscal policy and think about belt tightening because you're always having to say yes or to kowtow to certain constituents and so as the news cycle ramps up 24/7 as the political cycle takes over 24 seven, all of a sudden now the, the incentives to print more, to be able to say yes to more, to be able to move more things along, to be able to make more things happen is, is, is truly, uh, omnipresent. And so, you know, there is no moment, no one's going to say, Oh, I'm going to be the belt tightening guy. Right. Cause th th they don't even have a, they don't even have a year to do that. They, they have right. no time to do that. You that's, that's really well said. In fact, it just the reason one of the things that in looking and doing this pod and in trying to explain Bitcoin, mm -hmm. it's you know the term we keep using is looking at the world through a Bitcoin lens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to see the need for Bitcoin is is you have to be reminded about the way things used to be. Yeah. Or you know, especially you just go back to the founding fathers or things, or just right. things were in the past on a gold standard and things like that. Mm -hmm. When our government was formed. The idea was people would serve out of some sense of obligation and duty. Right. Go to government for a limited term. Right. To because of, for public service for a limited term and then back home to the to the farm at that point. Right. Almost everyone was a farmer at that point. Right. So think how far we've come from that. Right. It is now a it's it's a game to get in these positions of power. And never let go. Right. Because you now have access to this printing press. Right. And you and you have a, a seat right next to it. Right. For you and your cronies, whoever, left or right, this is not a red-blue thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone does it. And, and look at the age of these politicians who never give up their seats now. Right. So you get back to like what you were just saying about this perpetual election cycle. Yeah, they're in it for life. This right. is a this is not like do what you think is right and leave because I think in that world let's just say you were it was a li limit to one or maybe two terms and that's it. Right. Right. Oh, I think there'd be a lot more financial responsibility. Yeah. 
because right. right because you would have no you would have nothing in it to like stay in it forever you you would think it would you do what you think is right right and you're out right so all right that's an aside but that's look these are the things i mean these are the ratchet moments i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's so many yep. once you, you know, once you see it that you you look at the the way things are and it's it is so fundamentally broken mhm mm-hmm. and the first step is recognizing it you have to recognize it yeah or else we can't even talk about the pro- you know any kind of solution. So you had said a few minutes ago, put a pin in 1971, mm. and I think that's an important um, important thing to do to circle back to. If you if you remember that slope, it's going up, but it kicks up pretty pretty massively in the early 70s, and I think that's an important moment because you know so far we've basically made the case for why politicians are incentivized to print more money. I think we, that's a pretty, that, that's an easy concept to grasp. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think there's this other piece of it, which is why we're able to do that now in a way that we weren't for at least a lot. You know, it's funny. We were talking about George Washington on the, on the dollar bill. And I was thinking like, if you think of bills, you know, You'd think like George Washington is he is he why is he on the one um, is he on the one because he was the first president uh, is he on the one because at the time that the one was sort of created it was like oh that's going to be sort of and I may uh, there is a point here I think but it, at the moment of inception <laughs> are they putting him on the one because it's like oh that's going to be the the unit of currency that is most sort of in in exchange and and in in sort of in the world and like nobody ever had like a one, like what would a one get you nowadays? Well, I think it's cause he got first pick. He, <laughs> 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 he kind of wanted to really own the, the brand, you know, the one, I think that was, he was I mean, kind of flexing. Truly, it's flexing. a stupid question. Maybe there's a very obvious answer that I don't know. But no, like- no, no. Look. And then how did, you know, Benjamin Franklin wasn't even a president. How did he right. get the hundo? Right. I, what like, kind of I, naked pictures did he have as blackmail on <laughs> when they were deciding what, who's on which bill? Wow. Right. I mean, he, and he scored it. And you've How got about Hamilton. Hamilton, by the way, turns out yeah. to be a villain in the story. I mean, that's right. ironically. I mean, what a great show. You and I both took our kids. Oh we love God. it. One of the best but, days of my, of my entire life. And, and as, as I've said, I'm sure I've said this to you, like when I'm, at some point, let's call it 95 and like reflect like a moment of reflection on my life. Like I know for a fact that the day that I took uh, Sarah and the girls to Hamilton and we did this whole New York day with a dinner afterwards, like that will be burned in my memory forever as like one of the most special things of all time. Not just because of the, the, the show, the show is incredible um, for all sorts of reasons, but like the whole scope of the day in the city with the kids dinner after it was like very, very good feelings about that. Oh, a hundred percent. An amazing show. Yeah. Other than, wow. We're a lot of revisionist history here. Yeah. The, 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 the actual father of central banking. Well, right. we'll get to that. It's all related to what we're saying because yeah. you, we, you can't have the money. You don't have the money printer. Right. Without, what Hamilton's, you know, the team Hamilton, his, his the, point of view. By the way, we haven't gotten into that. And I think that would be a good, at some point, like sidebar about like the, 
the the role central bank you know i think that would be a helpful piece um to to table for some like 15 minute short segment sometime. well i we i say we do it as a deep dive because Great. it's there's there's so much there it's fascinating awesome. it's it's an amazing history uh and the book look the bitcoin standard yeah can't recommend that book highly enough everyone who's interested in bitcoin should read it yeah and by the way two-thirds of it the first two-thirds easy don't even talk about bitcoin mm -hmm. you could stop reading when it talks you know i i want people yeah. to read it to understand the world right. the part about explaining bitcoin you, you know you can read that or not i don't really care i want you to understand all the underpinnings well i loved and you know this about me damn like i i love i love history and i love sort of arcana and and weird like I like to be good at Jeopardy, so I like I like <laughs> things that that are are just super uh, nuanced and 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 quirky bits of of history. And I absolutely devoured the beginning of that book because it's talking about these remote South Pacific islands where they use yeah. these big stones as currency, and I love that stuff. Um, so I would, I would agree like that book, whatever you're, whatever you like, there's something in it for you. Oh yeah. Book. yeah. And it's just, it's an easy read. I mean, yeah. I think people are so pleasantly surprised to read a book called the Bitcoin standard, which of course might be a turnoff that, oh, I don't technology. I don't want, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. understand it. I don't right. want to. Oh no, this is a fascinating. It's history like a history world. text. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I know we're, we're, we're coming up to a, our stop here. So I just yep. want to, I want to wrap up the, the part about 1971. It's yep. all connected. Yep. The United States and a lot of other countries around the world had existed on a gold standard. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? The gold standard. Well, that means that our money supply, the paper dollars and the amount of credit in the banking system is tied to the amount of gold that the central bank has or that the government has in reserve. Right. The gold standard. The gold standard, which is is the gold standard of <laughs> finance. It, and Ironically. It's, it's a thing yeah. we say all the time, like, oh, that place is the gold standard or that band yeah. is the gold standard of dead cover bands or whatever. But it's a it's a term obviously related to the real gold standard, which is this idea that every every piece of paper currency issued is backed by actual gold bars or coins or chunks yeah, really bullion i mean at that bullion. level central bank level it's the yeah. it's the bricks of gold right but held get, in get a back, central bank yeah in a vault in new york right. city or right. london or paris or right. tokyo so in getting back to your dollar bill if you go back and look just look it up it says on them very clearly redeemable for gold mm -hmm. our paper currency that the government still printed, of course. They're, they have the you know they have the mint that's in the constitution. They 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 are the ones who have the right to print the money, mm -hmm. but the money was based on gold. It was just a uh, much more divisible and and transactional form of gold. Mm -hmm. Gold being famously hard to to break into pieces and spend, right. you know, for right. your cup of coffee. With you know, the analogy people <laughs> use for Bitcoin. <laughs> and so that we existed on gold and. Frankly, all that the money printing that we saw that graph, if if we could look at one, which I'll find one, I'm sure they exist. But from the say the 1770s through 1970, 200 yep. years, the graph does go up a little because we acquire more gold. More more gold is discovered in in the world about two percent every year. It increases, 
So the amount of gold increased, but the money supply only increased in relation to the amount of gold right. that we had in reserve. Right. And yet, and yet, we still somehow built the biggest economy that the world has ever seen. Right. And so much prosperity came from that time mm -hmm. when we were on a hard money standard. Right. Where we couldn't just arbitrarily print to do something we wanted or to stimulate the government in general. I mean, I'm sorry, stimulate the economy in general. And when you, and, and, and stimulate the government. Um, <laughs> and when, when you say hard money standard, you're also, mm. that's the same as gold standard. Thank you for saying. Yeah, yeah literally, literally, you can think yeah. of, you know, if you dropped a bar of gold on the ground, it would like break your foot. You know, right. it's, it's, the, it's <laughs> the, um, but in fact, I mean, just talk about just ironic, the period of time post civil war mm -hmm. between civil war and the first world war mm -hmm. that sort of 40 50 year period yep. was the greatest uh the, the greatest advancement mm -hmm. in history I'd ever seen mm -hmm. industrial age and so yep. many improvements life expectancy you know right. so many so many inventions that we're actually used today were invented then right massive fortunes right you know gatsby-esque fortunes yep built during that time well do you remember you know what that period is called the Gilded Age. The Golden Age. Age. Well, Gilded it was later rebranded as a Gilded Age. Gilded by, Age, yeah. Yeah, by haters. But right. it was for, at the time, it was called yeah. the Golden Age. Right, right, right. And in France, it was a Belle Opec. I mean, these were incredibly vibrant, you know, yeah. uh, prosperous times on right. a gold standard. So the notion that we need to be printing money to have a successful economy is, I mean, it's, 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 it's wrong. Well, it's, we don't even question it now because it's sort of just part. Well, by the way, like what just happened over the weekend? We had we were hours away from a government shutdown because it's about it's about you know not not you know the the debt ceiling. We're going to get into that uh, at some point down the road, but like that is a function of what of this exact thing we're talking about. So it's not like this is some ancient historical no. thing that's irrelevant. Like this is deeply relevant. No, this happens and, all yeah. the time. I mean, the, the, like the, you said. This weekend, they, they raised the debt ceiling for I think forty-two days or something. So, like in thirty days from now, like a month, you know, it's going to be like, oh, we're back at it again. They'll, they'll, you know, spending all weekend in the chambers trying to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna do it, and they always do it. They always raise it, and the number goes up. And you know, I can't wait till we get to your your uh, your your debt calculator uh, ticking oh, clock. Yeah, usdebtclock.org. Bookmark it. Just make it a you know, once a week. Just take a deep breath and look at the U.S. debt clock in real time. Nineteen seventy-one. I, I yeah. have to land this plane. I, I'm yeah. going to feel terrible if we <laughs> just leave it out there. Nineteen seventy-one. It was at the time of of Vietnam, yep. and also lots of social programs mm -hmm. from the sixties. Yep, great society things. And it's President Nixon, and he wants to do both. Mm -hmm. Guns and butter, famously, it's sort of economics. You remember yep. from economics class that concept. It's tough for the government to pay for everything for, right. on a hard money when you're when you're constrained right. by the amount of gold. Right. You can't. Well, you just can't. You can't afford yeah. for all the goodies you want to do. Plus, right. rage. You know, right. senseless wars around the globe. Right. So he unilaterally, by executive order, uh -huh. took the U.S. off the gold standard. 1971. That mm -hmm. marked a very, very sharp turning point. Mm -hmm. in society, the economy, in world, you know, any number of ways. But that is where the growth of the money supply and our federal debt, which we'll get to, we don't have time for today, 
but they're they're very linked because we were now un we were untethered to any kind of constraint. Yep. Human beings with money printers could just do whatever they wanted. Yep. That, and it's like at that point, um, the the guardrails were down. Oh, removed, smashed. Right. It's like, uh, you know, this is now the second time in 40 minutes that I've talked about Robert Frost, but he always used to say about free verse, he didn't like free verse, which if you know anything about poetry is there's no, there's no sort of obvious rhyme scheme or metric, you know, um, uh, characteristic to the poem. And he said he didn't like free verse because he thought it was like playing tennis with the net down, which I think is a great quote. Uh, because I think I think the 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 larger point here, whether we're talking about Bitcoin or anything else, is that is that standards and guardrails and rules, while sometimes uh, we chafe against them, many times that's where true sort of innovation comes from: is working within an established set of of guidelines or, or limitations or parameters. And then case of money printing, clearly it's gone completely amok because we see this massive slope and, and we see that 71 was in that really kicked off. That's right. So I want to, I know we're hitting a stop here. Yep. You know, this is like, this is lesson one. The first thing you need to know about Bitcoin, human beings will never stop printing money. Yep. There were full, there were forever be more and more and more Dollars, of course, we're in the U.S. dollars, but it's you know euros, yen, everywhere. They're doing this all over the world, right? Because they can, and they will. We are saddled also with so much debt. We'll get into this next pod that they have to, right? And I would like to, by the way, Trent. I think we're at the end of our first pod, and I, I think we've done it, dude. Well done. This was uh, this felt good. It felt invigorating. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'd like to just remind people. The, the diversity of ideas on this on this pod on the first pod of the f- ten things you need to know about Bitcoin, my man here dropped two different Robert Frost and two different hip hop references. <laughs> if you include Hamilton, I mean, what what more? What is he not want? good at? <laughs> it's a veritable cornucopia of, a, of reference. Our cup overfloweth. Wait till we actually start talking about Bitcoin. You won't, you won't believe it. <laughs> By the way, we could delay that as long as possible. Same thing happened with Greg. The longer we talk about non-Bitcoin, the, I think the better. We got to keep these plates spinning. I love it. All, All right, people. Hey, thank you for listening. This was step one. Uh, we hope you, you we continue on. We're going to lead you through all 10. Uh, and none of this is financial advice, but thank you for listening. <laughs> All right, amigo. We'll see you next time. We'll see ya.